0: Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 9, The Remnant. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. Find Episode 1 of Season 1 at 15minutesontheway.com. Don't spell out 15. Otherwise, brace yourself for a conversation with God's voice telling His side of your story. If it's been a while since you listened to last week's episode, let me suggest that you review it, since it sets the context for what we'll be talking about today more than usual. In short, Malachi has been taking the people and their leaders to task for offering to me things that, let's say, didn't cost them very much—the lame and the blind. Instead of the best and the first fruits in recognition that all that they have has been given to them by me. In last week's episode, Malachi dared them, if you will, to bring me the best and the first, to withhold nothing from me in full obedience to the law, and to see if I did not provide them with abundance. I am compelled to address an all too rampant misuse of his text in your habitat, There are those who mistake my promise to provide more than enough for your actual needs in overflowing blessing, that would be in Malachi 3.10, as a guarantee of supernatural health and wealth in exchange for your 10% investment, or more usually. Ignoring a good deal of the rest of the owner's manual, they promise that nothing further will go wrong in your life, and that you'll be getting unlooked-for income from out of nowhere if you just keep up, and in most cases, ramp up, your monetary giving. It is even said by some that, If God's already blessed you with a Rolex, put that in the plate today, and he'll be giving you an upgraded model before the year is out. Friend, I wish I was making this up, but I am not. Of course, it is true that if you walk on the way with me, I am going to walk with you and bless you for it. I have been promising that from the start of the Abra plan and before. We will be walking together through all of life, in better and worse, in richer and poorer, in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad. Through it all, you'll have all you truly need and then some, more than enough along with the priceless assurance that I am with you through it all. I am not, however, going to put everyone who follows me onto a gravy train that is somehow immune to everything from economic downturns to the common cold. The leaders that characterize me as little more than a sugar daddy or Ponzi scheme, while living in mansions beyond their common followers' wildest dreams, Those leaders are going to be a special project of mine on the day Malachi describes in his final chapter. Before that, though, and speaking of better or worse, sandwiched within Malachi's discussion of tithe is another matter of heart and heartlessness, marriage and divorce. This topic unexpectedly but easily connects with the theme of offering sacrifices as Malachi tells the people that another reason I no longer look with favor on your offerings or accept them with pleasure from your hands is because I am the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. That's in Malachi 2 13 through 16. Their worship has lost its meaning to me because of their lack of integrity with one another in marriage in a pattern that is decidedly unidirectional. The specific situation we address here with Malachi is an epidemic where men of Israel are going through midlife crises and putting away the women who bore their children and shared life together with them for decades raising those children, keeping the house, cooking them countless meals. After divorcing these life companions, the men are marrying younger women outside the people of Israel, for no daughter of mine would do it. They are callously setting aside the woman they had sworn in covenant vow before me to grow old with, Abandoning principle and promise to satisfy their lusts with younger, exotic, replacement wives. Sound familiar? I am truly so very, deeply sorry that it does. I'll just say it. I hate divorce. Malachi 2.16, if you didn't look it up already, don't just read that sentence now taken the whole section. We've said so before, but nowhere in the owner's manual do we say it as clearly as through our final prophet. The picture painted here of a faithful daughter of Israel having the rug pulled out from under her by a selfish, uncaring husband is more than heartbreaking. It tears at the fabric and core of the entire community— let me remind you again how markedly different Malachi's habitat is from yours, and how very few resources such a rejected, divorced, older woman has to draw from, though your habitat is itself far from immune from these things. There is little that angers me more than this practice of using up a person and then throwing them away when you think you are done with them. Your habitat is even worse than Malachi's, and disposability is a hallmark of today's life where you live. Your dishes may be disposable, but your marriage is not. The woman whose eyes you looked into when you promised to spend the rest of your life with her is not disposable." She is my cherished daughter for whom I require your greatest effort and integrity. That integrity will call for some sacrifice, but that is only an indicator of her great worth. Thoughtless man, it is when you have spent decades side by side with a woman that you can step into the most rare and most fulfilling love levels of all. You are a fool if you discard so great a treasure of true companionship and deep friendship for a vapid, immature playmate who'll see you as the one who's too old before too long. Grow up and stop acting like a child. Of course things are different now than they were at first. How could they not be? The least important aspects of relationships are the only parts that come easily. Regardless of the type of relationship one is examining, with me, or a spouse, or a friend, it is abundantly clear that worthwhile relationship requires commitment and effort from both parties. It is when that commitment has taken the form of a covenant vow, as that which holds between Israel and me, or husband and wife, that the opportunity for even deeper relationship is available. The safety formed by covenant enables a richness over time, richness that is born from vulnerability, trust, seeing each other through difficult times, the willingness to do whatever is necessary to keep the covenant, and the certainty that one spouse is willing to do the same. This is not a grin-and-bear-the-ball-and-chain way of life. It is a path to peace, joy, companionship, completion, fullness. All the best things I want for you. Things you want for yourself, but look for in the wrong or even worst places. Things that can be found only through passing through life together. All the good and bad, better and worse, sickness and health, rich and poor, and standing the test of time. Only an idiot loses such a bounty in exchange for a brief climax in the bed of a younger woman, and the one who breaks a lifelong covenant vow to do so will reckon with me, just as Malachi promises. The book of Malachi is an artful pivot point, if I do say so myself as the prophet addresses with these issues of tithe and marriage an effectual summary of the centuries before, and of the issues my people will continue to face. We are not, however, caught up in an endless cycle, something Malachi makes clear in his final chapter. A significant shift in the Abra plan is drawing near, and when it comes, it's going to be a very big day. As we mentioned, the restoration of a remnant in Jerusalem and in the Promised Land, though it be a portion, marks a significant milestone in the Abra plan. It is the end of the exile which served as the final lesson available in teaching my children the great lessons of righteousness, holiness, and being set apart. It is a new beginning as well, though on the unexpected terms of subservience to a foreign power. Throughout the entire stage, many prophets have cast lines into the future up to this point. There's one other post-exilic fellow in the neighborhood to whom we'll get shortly. His message complements Malachi's nicely and serves as harmony to Malachi's primary vores. As the primary prophet of this final remnant, Malachi joins them in looking forward to the biggest shift in the Abra plan to date. Other prophets have used the term, but Malachi owns it when he declares that a great and terrible day of Yahweh is coming. Malachi 4:5. Malachi writes, "It will burn like a furnace." All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says Yahweh Almighty. Not a root nor a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well fed calves. Malachi 4, 1, and 2, though Malachi begins his thoughts of reward in three sixteen, Well, we've got some good news and some bad news. Bad news first. Well, bad for them. Them being the arrogant and the evildoers. Those guys. The bad guys. Lest you think you get to decide who falls into that category... Malachi's already defined it. Writing a few paragraphs earlier in Malachi 3.5, he's already begun to unpack this account settlement concept. He lists amongst those headed for destruction, sorcerers, being those who reach out to those who are not me in the spiritual realm. Uh, if you haven't thrown your Ouija board out yet, now's the time. It's not a novelty, but rather a step in a perilous direction. Your habitat has gift-wrapped obsession with such dangerous matters for you. Play not with them. Next on Malachi's list are adulterers. Not a surprise after his second chapter. Then, those who cheat their employees. Yep, that's in there. What's the minimum wage at now? along with those who oppress widows and orphans, who typify not just a familial demographic, but all the powerless and marginalized in the habitat. If you fall into one of these categories, think long and hard now about that last one dealing with the marginalized. Change your ways and get out now. When the day of Yahweh comes, and it will, there will be nothing left of the bad guys. From the very first usage of the term and concept of the day of Yahweh in the owner's manual, it has been a day in store for all the proud and lofty, as in Isaiah 2.12. Though in one sense reckoning has come in the form of exile and in other trouncings as well but Malachi brings Tom in for a landing with the sober promise that the day of Yahweh is yet to come. Someone else has recently used the term day of Yahweh extensively as well. We just referred to him. His name is Joel, and he deserves his own episode, so we'll end things here for now. We have given you plenty to think about this week. Mind carefully. How you treat those around you, especially those you've made promises to, treat them well, and you'll be walking on the way. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support what we do, give us a review on iTunes or Facebook, then share this podcast with your friends. Use the link to the very first episode from our website, 15minutesontheway.com. We hope today's episode has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way, and until next time, be good to yourself.